Hey, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. It's episode 40, The Thing About Temptation. Yeah, the thing about temptation, and there will only be one thing I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about today. <laughs> oh wait, I think this is probably our second podcast on temptation, but we are going to dive deep. Hello, my name is Lori Creek. I'm here with my husband, Matt. Hello. And producer, Steve. And yeah, this Hi. is... See, I just keep running you over. This That's a, no, <laughs> it's all right. Not a problem. Glad we always have the therapist on deck to be able to follow up when Lori just keeps going through it. Anyway, we are here with our guest, Rachel Gilson. She is the Director of Theological Development for the Northeast for Crew, and she is a writer and a speaker and was the guest writer for one of Christianity Today's most read articles of the year for 2017. Welcome, Rachel Gilson. Thank you. Yeah, you are welcome. We're so glad to have you here. I'm excited because that article uh, was called, I Never Became Straight, Perhaps That Was Never God's Goal. And if I had a buck, a dollar, for however many times people sent that to me because everyone was like, oh my word, Lori, this person's just like you. I probably have like at least 20 or $30. That <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can get some good things on Amazon for 20 or $30. You can, and if you got that prime shipping, you are just right. set. <laughs> Pillows and such, anyway. Or some good old-fashioned Thai food, which sounds really good about now, but that is not the focus of this podcast. We're going to be talking about um, temptation, and and I'm so excited that we're going to be doing that because we have a similar sort of story. You're married, you have a daughter, um, and then you you are a thinker about this whole LGBT and the church conversation. And I love just this new article that posted uh, to yesterday on for Desiring God, and and you talk about like what is the yes that we're saying yes to with with this whole LGBT and the church thing. So I'm excited. Uh, but before we dive deep into the whole temptation piece, we're going to talk about our question of the week from last week, which was, when was the last time you high-fived as a result of great teamwork with your spouse, your housemates, or your friends? And <laughs> I was just listening to last week's podcast where we like ended. I just kept picturing like a Saved by the Bell freeze oh, yeah. frame. Freeze we're frame. like, yeah, ding! And we all like <laughs> smile. And then someone comes on and narrates about their life and why they're so happy. So... I'm going to stop narrating and ask y'all, when was like the last time you're like, yay, team? Well, I can, I can say the last time I high-fived someone, but it really had nothing to do with teamwork. It was just in greeting. Was it yourself? No, no it was actually um, our friend Kat today. Oh, yeah. Aww. When I saw her, we, we, we gave a little high-five, and it was, it was like a throwback to being in college. When high-fiving, but then like fist-bumping kind of overtook it. And then you had to like know like the explosion with the fist oh, bump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Okay, we did recently had a squirt gun slash capture the flag fight at our house, invited some of our friends. Nice. Happy Memorial Day. And nice. we did we win? Matt and I were actually on the on the same team for the first time probably in our knowing each other because people are like, I mean, no, not you guys. You guys for sure, not together because you're <laughs> married. So split up. So we always end up, I mean, we're very, very competitive. So we always end up in <laughs> a tiny little marital spat uh, at the end of said sort of things. But anyway, we were on the same team. Did we win? I, well, I, I don't know because the other team cheated before yeah. we cheated. So... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I mean, I technically, they were cheating, or they so disqualified I first. Cheating, obviously. I mean, yeah, yeah, we wouldn't have cheated. 
cheated shot. We wouldn't have cheated <laughs> if, if the other team hadn't already done it. That's cheat. Cheat. Yeah. Cheat. Rachel, you went to Yale. Is that an, a real word? Chot That's and cheat? Actually, yeah. It's what? It's choat. Oh. oh, yes, yes. But, but of course. Uh, yeah, I think we won because we cheated later and then we won-ish. We'll say we won-ish. I still high-fived. I can't remember the last time I high-fived. I'm, I, I feel terrible about this. I should, oh, look at this. I got two offers, we, two fives we just offered to me them. right um, now. My son, Michael, is big into the fist bump, and he doesn't do the, like, explosion reaction. No, he's just, is it. he, like, real, like, whatever, Dad? Fist bump? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh, I don't know, something complimentary or whatever, uh, and he'll be like, that's awesome. Love you, Dad. He puts his fist up there, and it's like real kind of like nonchalant, just sort of a little side fist he, over here. He's doing a side, side upside fist, down fist. Is that like however? I mean, whatever, yeah. Dad. <laughs> a little bit. And then is your heart a little bit dying? You're like, I just wish he'd hug me. No, I'm oh. glad he's offering the fist. <laughs> he, he's my third, you know? I'm kind of like, hey, man, if I can get a, a fist bump physical. these days. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, anything. So. Any type of positive emotional physical contact yes. is, is a good thing. Right. Oh, man, that's what we have to look I, I actually high-fived my daughter this morning because of a lack of teamwork. Not the, this morning. This afternoon was the first time she ever put on her bike helmet by herself. Hey. And she's really excited, so yeah. she offered me a high five, and I took it. Nice. Oh, that feels real good. Yeah. How old is she? She's four and a quarter, she would tell you. Oh, wow. <laughs> that really matters at that age. It does. does, yeah. You know, you're just inching towards five. You're inching <laughs> towards it. Well, good job, guys. We didn't do really a slow-mo high five. Okay, wait. Is there a difference between the high five and the fist bump? Because does the fist bump mean like like... Is it mean less enthusiasm? Does it mean I'm not a big dork? What's the difference between the high five and the fist bump? That's a good that's a good question. I think I mean if you get too enthusiastic with the fist bump, you know how sometimes <laughs> you might miss a little bit on the high five? If you miss on the fist bump, yeah. you're basically punching someone. That's true, which means Or just hurting intent. your hand mm. a lot. Yeah, I think like the fist bump is appropriate for anyone under the age of forty. You yes. know, and then maybe the high five should be for baby boomers and up. <laughs> How you feeling there, Steve? You feeling a little bit I, othered? I well, am... but the thing is, if he is, if it's initiated by his son yes. who's young, you know, then right. that, I think it helps. That is right. What mm. sometimes happens is I do offer the, the high five and he's coming at me with the fist bump and we get like <laughs> the, the turkey. awkward. The turkey, yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> but that doesn't happen too often. Okay. So. Now that we solved that problem, we're going to move on to the next one, which is for Goofball Island. I have a game for you all. I've been having a lot of fun with these whole surprise games. So we are going to be taking, that's right, Green Goblin's hoverboard to Goofball Island. His laugh is my favorite. <laughs> Something like that. You don't even need to get the sound effect. You're done. Okay. This game is called Mascot or Villain. So you have mm. to f tell me, is this a mascot for a team or is this a villain? Now, I've pluralized all of them so that you're not like, oh, Green Goblin. It'd be like Green Goblins or yeah, yeah. but Green Goblin isn't one. So you can't win. 
Okay, we're going to start with Matt. Matt, hmm. do you recognize I'm speaking like all sorts of your love languages? I know, it's like nerd and sports. I, sir, <laughs> I am leaning into yeah. marriage points right now. Okay. We're going to high five after this. hundred percent. More fist bump. You keep that to yourself. Yes. You can't. <laughs> this is getting a little That was not a euphemism. I'm literally talking about a high five. Uh, Rachel, we'll keep you around. Okay. <laughs> Ready, Matt? So mm -hmm. you each are going to get two, and you have to tell me if it's... You have to pick which one is the mascot and which one is the villain. Okay. okay do we ready? get bonus points if we actually know the team and yes, or the comic? Yes, you do. I wrote that down. Okay. If you can know at least the sport. Okay, ready? Infernos or Shockers? All right. Well, I know the Shockers is from Wichita State College, so um, that's the sport. Inferno... Sounds like a good villain name if it's singularized. Yeah, it's from St. Saya, the Hades chapter. So there's mm. that. Yeah, it's Wichita State, the football player. Wichita play State? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How is that even? Uh, I'm definitely not going to get whatever mine is. That seems like reaching into the grab bag. Oh, I reached real deep in the internet grab bag. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I can even picture the logo. It's a little B. Okay, it says the football players spend their offseason, quote unquote, shocking the wheat field. Did you know that? It's not I, about I, like zapping. I it's about shocking. I didn't know that. I don't know what shocking a wheat field <laughs> is, know but either. I know the Shockers is a college mascot. All right. Matt's got two wow. points. I think I know who's going to win this game. Yeah. I <laughs> guess I did kind of cater it toward him. That's all right. Okay. We will go to you, Steve. Okay. And then next is Rachel. Okay. The Maestros or Fire Frogs? The Maestros? Yeah. Isn't you heard maestros? me right. Not the maestros. Oops, I said it wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> maestra, I was doing it in Spanish. Maestra está aquí. Sometimes okay. my blonde hair goes straight into my brain. That's okay. That's okay. My, the maestros or the, what's the other one? I just can't get over or my the fire teacher frogs. in Spanish. Fire frogs. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm going to say maestro is some kind of musical villain. And the Fire Frogs is uh, some kind of team. You're right. Really? It. Yeah. So, but you only got one point for getting it. Well, maybe Matt has three. You have two because Matt got the bonus point. So I you did get those right. right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Where, where, who do the Fire Maestros, Frogs? The okay. Maestra está aquí. Uh, no, no, no. So that's from the show The Hulk, and the Fire Frogs are brave. The Braves Class A affiliate. Oh. Wow. My okay. goodness. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know All that right. one. Yeah. Coming at you, Rachel. Goodness. Okay. Taskmasters or Rumble Ponies? <laughs> I think that I don't know the answer to this question, so I'm going to guess. <laughs> Go for it. I think the Taskmaster is a sad villain locked in bureaucracy mm, yeah why not yeah go for it and that the rumble ponies are a team of some kind probably <laughs> in like a jv high school girls softball team <laughs> <laughs> okay well okay you got two points you didn't get the jv girls so <laughs> That's too bad. That's okay. I can imagine the team that they all have ponytails. Yeah, and there are you know? probably <laughs> lots of colors in yeah. them. So the Taskmasters, Captain America from the Avengers. Mm. Some, do you know the Taskmaster? I've I've heard oh, of him. I wouldn't know the the. 
comic book it was from, so it I was, wouldn't have known Captain America. I dug America. deep into comic books yeah. via the internet. And Rumble Ponies is the Mets class AA affiliate. The Mets. Oh. You know, it, it did sound vaguely familiar. Did Tebow play think, for them for I a hot I think Tim minute? Tebow did play for the what? Rumble Ponies for a second. Yeah, I think, I think that's... Wow. The Rumble right. Ponies Tebowed right. for a while. What? That's amazing. <laughs> that is. Okay, Matt, back to you. Okay, I didn't know we were going for round two. Yeah, so there's one more. So Matt is now in the lead with three, Steve has two, and also Rachel. Okay, Matt, hard rockers or collectors? Um, the collector is a Marvel comic villain who does exactly what he says he does. What does he collect? He collects anything and everything. He's actually the guy that they visit in the Guardians of the Galaxy when they oh. had the Infinity Stone and everything went to garbage. I should probably to, pay attention to garbage. when we watch these movies. Um, <laughs> he's a minor character um, in that movie, but I, I remembered it because it's my brain and I remember all sorts of useless information, <laughs> um, which means whatever other team you, you said was actually a team. Hard Rockers is from South Dakota School of Mining and Technology. Yes, wow. That is Obviously. A well, I yes. went there for mm-hmm. my first year. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> They're also a cafe. Yes. Uh, yes, I've heard. They have collectibles. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. The Strifes or Baby Cakes? Oh, come on. Oh, that's a tough one, Steve. Wow. <laughs> Well, Strife yeah. sounds more like a villain, I think. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine any place naming their team the Baby Cakes. I know. Just kind of want to punch them in the face. I kind of feel like, oh. All right, I'm going Baby Cakes is some kind of team. Maybe they're, yeah, I don't, I'm not even going to venture. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. That They're a team and Strife is a villain. You guys are nailing this. Strife with a Y. I would have given you an extra point if somehow you had heard that or yeah. if I had mispronounced it. <laughs> Strife. 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 Well, now I can't even do it in Spanish anyway. It's from Cable slash X-Men. I don't know. Oh, okay. You guys are nodding. You know these things. I know X-Men. What's Cable? Cable is also a villain. Yeah. Oh. Slash, I don't know if he has a superhero thing as well, but he's generally a bad guy. Okay, so they're related somehow. And Baby Cakes is New Orleans' AAA baseball team. Huh. Yes. New Orleans, of course. All right, Rachel, if you're bringing it home. Ready? Let's hope. Okay. Gorlocks or <laughs> nukes. Okay, a- the nukes are a team in um, New Mexico, obviously. Well, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, because because of the testing, mm. which means that ridiculous first word is yes. a villain of some type, maybe an angry wizard. I really like Gorlocks? your imagination. Gorlocks. Yeah. Gorlocks. Is, okay. So Gorlocks is actually from Webster University. They no, picked, yeah. that is too bad. This is how they picked it. Real lame. Sorry, Webster University listeners. It was two intersecting streets named Gore and Lockwood Avenue. And then they like sent it to the newspaper. They picked the Gorlocks. And then they like kids had to like write into the newspaper what they thought a Gorlock looked like. Yeah. Google it. Wow. G-O-R-L-O-K-S. Even though Lockwood was with C-K. Anyway. And the nukes is from Daredevil or Wolverine. It had both. I th- are there okay. villains in multiple films? Well, the same? well, they're both the Marvel yeah. Marvel universe. There's so there's a lot of crossover. 
I will never understand. Yeah. That. It's okay. <laughs> I, it just seemed like the nuke. Well, I got it wrong. What can mm-hmm. I do? There's no explaining now. It's done. Well, wow. Matt is the rumble pony, baby cake, <laughs> Gorlock winner. <laughs> Ray. So, good as job. you should be. Yes. As you should well be. Well deserving. <laughs> Well, we're going to shift now to the heart of the matter. And the reason that we do this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day. So, Rachel, we would love to hear how the gospel was first good news for you and how is it continually? Gosh, how it was first good news to me is, you know, a question that could go on and on. I um you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian household, so I wasn't exposed to the good news as a kid. I was just exposed to Jesus, like, in the sense that at Christmas time, you know, you sing about Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Reindeer and, like, baby Jesus is in some of the songs. Okay, so just kind of this figment of your imagination. Yeah, mm-hmm. or like a figment of American culture yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. I remember I had some Mormon babysitters, and they had that, like... um you know, very Caucasian looking into the middle distance Jesus on mm-hmm. their wall. And so yeah. like, that was my was sort of like, oh, this guy, he's in my babysitter's house. <laughs> the wavy flowing brown hair. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Handsome Jesus. He just looks very contemplative, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I, that, that wasn't a part of my life at all. By the time I went off to Yale into undergrad, I was a very convinced atheist. Um, mm-hmm. And also I was pursuing and in uh, romantic and sexual relationships with women. And so my understanding of Christianity was it was a place where people who didn't know how to think for themselves hid out and hated gay people. Hmm. Was and that ever interesting like fed to you? Was that like taught to you? Or no, was it just like so that's the, the funny thing is yeah. that I just absorbed it from the culture somehow. Hmm. I had never been treated poorly by any church, by any Christian. I just somehow knew it from the air. Isn't that sad? Like, I just, I think about it. I'm like, I didn't actually have a reason to think that. And yet I did. Mm -hmm. Maybe I did, but I didn't have a personal reason. Right. And by the time I, yeah, by the time I got to Yale, I was pretty hardened, um, you know, in my dislike of Christianity. Hmm. And so I ended up on this journey being at that school where I suddenly realized that just being the smartest person at your lame California public school does not make you the smartest person at Yale. Mm. And so that was a little bit of an identity crisis. And then I also had a bad breakup with um, my girlfriend who I was in love with. Mm. And God kind of used that tender spot to find me out. So it wasn't, I didn't sit in that place and think, oh, I need to turn to Jesus because I didn't believe in Jesus. But um, Mm. I did start in a class one day thinking about, oh, does God actually exist? I remember feeling kind of shameful about that question because I thought Mm. it was for weak people. But like all good millennials, I turned to the internet to find some answers (laughs) once I couldn't shake the questions. I was reading and reading and Eventually, I stole a copy of Mere Christianity from a friend. <laughs> that's really... <laughs> yeah, that's legitimately okay. But, Lewis would not. Yeah, Lewis is probably like, joy. yep, that's, that's better to steal would, a copy of Mere Christianity than to, to never yeah, learn about I've, Jesus. I've now given away like hundreds of free copies of them as a campus minister. <laughs> so I don't go. know if that's sort of like a process of atonement for me. It it's is. not necessary because <laughs> of Christ's work, but... You've earned it back, just in case. That's, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I... 
I was reading Mere Christianity one day in the library between classes, avoiding homework because, of course. Yeah. Were you hiding it? Was it like kind of? Oh, yeah, I definitely there was like a little there was like a little couch in there. And I had I remember I had my knees propped up and my book was on my knees. Right. So no one could see the cover. Mm. And it wasn't a popular reading room. It was like where all the newspapers were kept and magazines. I loved that room. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't full of people. Mm. And so while I was reading C.S. Lewis that day, there wasn't like a particular paragraph or like line of logic that just got me. It was while I was reading, I was suddenly aware that not only did God exist, but that he is incredibly holy. Mm -hmm. And that holiness was a problem for me Mm -hmm. because I was distinctly not holy. And it wasn't, it wasn't even like the first thing I thought of when I understood of myself as unholy was my sexuality. I I was mean to people. I would lie. I cheated on stuff in high school. I was reading a stolen book. There was just so much, (laughs) so much against me. Mm -hmm. And I think probably the first way that the gospel was good news for me was actually in that I understood the bad news first. Mm -hmm. Like I, I actually, God gave me an appreciation for how, how much I was in trouble. Mm -hmm. And very quickly with that, I understood that Jesus had come to put himself as a wall between God's wrath and me. Wow. And that all I had to do was go to him, mm-hmm. basically to hide in him, and then I would be safe. And I remember sitting there in that moment and thinking, this is a really good deal. I should take this deal. <laughs> like, wow. of course, it will be inconvenient for me. Like, I want to marry a woman. Mm-hmm. I like binge drinking. Uh, yeah. You know, there's just, I, I knew that it would mean huge changes for my life. But at the same time, I also knew that I couldn't pretend that the gospel wasn't real just because it was inconvenient for me. Like that would be the definition of stupidity. Wow. And so I, it sort of, I mean, I didn't have like a written prayer in front of me. So I just closed my eyes and basically was like, fine, I will do this. <laughs> yes, sign me up. That's it's so crazy what you're describing because it's only the Holy Spirit because almost what you're only the Holy Spirit only almost what you're describing sounds like scare tactics like you could envision (laughs) right like a preacher being like but you're gonna he's holy you're gonna burn in hell and you're not mentioning hell but you're like you know you you recognized your separation from God and you the only way is Jesus but instead of it being someone scaring you to, I wanted to say scaring you straight, but let's not go down that path. (laughs) And scaring you toward holiness and toward this submission of yourself to Christ. It was just the Holy Spirit's refining work through this incredible work. Because I think the the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that he always tells the truth. Mm. So it's not a scare tactic that's trying to be manipulative. He was just showing me what was true. Yes. While I still had time to respond, because the thing is, everyone's going to eventually see what's true. But God had mercy on me and showing me when I was 18. Anyone else just want to like fall on your face and be like, God, you're so good. Mm -hmm. Like that is powerful. So good. So then, you know, like then what? Then what happened, Rachel? Then what? Then what happened? (laughs) So then I saw a tiny sign 
posted for Yale Students for Christ having a Valentine's party. Hmm. And I was like, I didn't even know there was a Yale Students for Christ. <laughs> Your eyes were opened. So indeed. And so that's the, the Yale branch of Campus Crusade now okay. crew. And so I showed up at their party pretending like I was there by accident because hmm. I was still embarrassed. Yeah. And that is where I met God's second excellent gift to me, which was his people. Mm. So I remember being ushered in and the sophomore girl welcomed me. She's like, hi, I've never seen you before. And I was like, uh, I just became a Christian two days ago. She looked very surprised. She's like, oh, I mean, this didn't happen a lot at Yale at that period of time. Wait, did you she really like, say that? You're like, I just became a Christian. Yeah, like, how did you I didn't know, know what, what else words to say? To I was sort of like, how do you introduce yourself at these parties? I don't know. I don't know what you do here. I want to marry Jesus at the Valentine party. I, <laughs> that's right. Can Absolutely. we date? Yeah. I brought my veil. <laughs> they brought me over to the freshmen who sort of didn't know what to do with me. And they, they were like, oh, um, oh, uh, do you want to come to freshman prayer? And I was like, sure. So wow. I showed up for freshman prayer, asked them a lot of questions. And they were like, well, do you want to come to freshman Bible study? And I was like, yeah. So I showed up at freshman Bible study. No, wait, wait, wait. What's happening? Bible. Wait, what's happening in your heart? Are you like... Like, okay, I'm just going to do this next thing. Like the Holy Spirit's like, like doing this work. literally like, okay, here are the people who are, who are going to teach me how to do this. Wow. Because I didn't know anything. I didn't even know whether really the Bible was like alphabetical or not. You know, I'm yeah. sort of like, I really felt all in and I was like, great. These are the, these are the folks. And you know, in other groups I had made friends by like telling dirty jokes and drinking a lot. And I found right. out pretty quickly, that's not how you make friends with evangelicals. <laughs> And they were just so incredibly gracious to me. They just loved me right in. I never felt weird or out of place. It was just full acceptance all at once. Wow. And about 10 days after I prayed to receive Christ, I got a call from my ex-girlfriend, the one who had broken up with me in the fall semester. Right. She called me on the phone and she said, I have been such an idiot. Can we get back together? Mm. Which is what I knew she was eventually going to do because the whole circumstances of her breaking up with me were ridiculous in the first place. Mm. But that was the first test of my faith really Mm. early in. And I I was just like, no, I can't. Um, I just became a Christian. Wow. How how did you know the answer was no? Like, did you not have this shaking the Bible angst of like, is this what it's, is this true? Or did you really like, no, I know this is God's design. So when I was examining who Jesus was, mm-hmm. so pre stealing my Christianity, yes, I started to be more interested in who he was, Jesus, um, which made me feel a little embarrassed because I'd always thought of him kind of like, George W. Bush in a toga or something. I didn't really have a good picture of who he actually was. <laughs> dates me a little bit. This was image. Good image. <laughs> image, yeah. um, not, not Jesus, but a, f- a funny image. Yes, yeah. go ahead. But a funny image nonetheless, yeah. But I, I encountered him as so much more, and the things I was reading about him, so much more intelligent and compassionate. And I was like, oh, well, this is so interesting. But I know that Christianity is against my sexuality. Hmm. Um, but I also knew the only two people at Yale at the time I knew who identified as Christians were these two girls who were dating each other. Mm. And one of them was training to be a Lutheran minister. So I thought, well, gosh, they must have 
some sort of idea about this. So we met in marching band because I'm really cool. And so I, um, you know, approached them one day and just asked like, okay, so how do you guys reconcile this? I've thought this was, and I didn't declare any like real personal interest necessarily, but you know, how does that work for you? And they were so excited. I was interested and they were like, oh yeah, this has all been a big misunderstanding, you know? So they gave me this packet of information and I love a packet. So I took that thing back to my room and I'm ripping through it. And it was my very first exposure to affirming arguments. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time, right? And so when I was reading them, they have um, they had such a nice internal consistency. Like they had a type of logic to them. I was reading them. I was tracking with them. Mm-hmm. But when I was pulling up on my computer screen the Bible verses they were talking about, I was really disappointed because I was like, I don't think that they're accurately interpreting what these texts are saying. Like I'm not mm-hmm. a Bible scholar, but basically the only thing I'm good at is reading. And I don't think, I don't think this is right. And so I remember just feeling duped. Like I threw the packet in the trash can. I was so mad. And I was like, yeah, that was stupid to think that, I mean, everyone knows what the Bible says and it's clear what the Bible says. So by the time I had come into Christ and was in community, I had looked at those texts myself and felt pretty sure really sure that the Bible was saying no to same-sex sex and romance, mm. but I had no idea why. Mm. And a lot of my first journey with Christ was getting around that question of why. Like, it, doesn't, it didn't seem to make any sense. It wasn't hurting anyone. Right. My loving someone doesn't feel different than anyone else loving anyone. How can I possibly obey before I understand that? Mm. And that's that's a journey that took me a long it took me a long time. And especially in the first couple years after I after I decided to follow Christ, like I had a lot of I had a lot of screw ups. Like mm. I I would seek out the affection and attention of certain girls. I would I mean I, I had a couple major sin problems, sin issues that I had to work out slowly with, with God and with my community. You know, if I were my campus minister self looking at my sophomore year self now, I'd probably think this girl's not going to make it right? because it was really hard. Mm. Mm. But God has been incredibly gracious to me. And I think one thing that really helped me weather the season of why was the Lord helping me understand that if I demanded to understand any of his rules perfectly and uh, to assent to them fully, I was functionally making myself God. Hmm. I was saying, I'm only going to obey if I think this is good, if I think this is right. Hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of situations in life where that makes good sense, right? We don't just listen to people because they're authorities over us. Right. Um, that can be, there's ways in which in a human sense, that idea could get abused. But when it comes to the Lord, he has proven himself utterly trustworthy, mm. utterly. Tr- and it's not just in the death of Christ. I mean, yes, Christ dying for us demonstrates that he's trustworthy. That he has our good in mind always. Mm. But even the fact that he came at all, I mean, right. he did not have to leave perfect fellowship mm. with the Father and the Spirit. Mm. I could have died and stood in front of him and I would have said, you have to you have to condemn me. I mean, you have to, I I wasn't holy, right? I mean, and he wouldn't, he had no obligation to come and save me. 
But he decided out of love to be sent by the father. And he lived in a horrible circumstance. I mean, he lived in an occupied country, born to a poor family. I mean, we don't see Joseph later in his life. So at some point, his earthly father dies. So he probably had to raise a lot of his younger siblings. Mm. And when he gets older, he's a homeless man whose friends are idiots. And all <laughs> of the people who are supposed to worship him are plotting to kill him. Mm. Even enemies against each other, banding together so that they can destroy the one good man who's ever lived. Yes. I mean, the, the fact that even the whole tenor of his life was sacrifice for us anchors his trustworthiness for me. Like I, maybe I don't understand everything and, and maybe sometimes things do look really hard, but I know that everything he has for me is for my good. He's demonstrated it forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. I, I know we all relate here and I know when I'm walking with people or when I'm walking with myself and I want to, I'm tempted to complain I'm like, Jesus, do you, do you understand what it's like, like to be hated and to be, and he's like, yes. Do you know what it's like to do a hard ministry where nobody cares about what you're saying or they just talk to, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not even as condescending as my own tone. No, he's no. like so gracious and loving. So I kind of want to pick up your story and fast forward it a little bit. Thank you yeah. for what you shared. It's like, we're all just sitting here and like, that was amazing. It just keep thinking of the verses in Revelation about how they will they will know him by the word, blood of the mm-hmm. lamb and the word of their testimony. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yes, Rachel, good work. Thank you for sharing this because this is so, what you are sharing is like incredible. It's not like it is incredible warfare and so necessary for right now. But I want to lean into that. So you get married to a dude at some point. Yeah, I do. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. (laughs) And I love it when I like share some of my story. And then I'm like, and now married to this guy. And everyone's heads go like, what? Uh, and, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that happened, but I want to know the right now. I walk with a lot of people. I'm sure you talk with a lot of people who are like, okay, so you, God didn't take this away. He didn't quote unquote heal it, which is anyway, he doesn't (laughs) heal sin or heal temptation. We surrender it. But how, how do you walk with that? You said those first years of your faith and even the first years of your marriage. Now I'm referring to that second Christianity today article that I mentioned with the whole like temptation piece and how God helps you. Like you said, even that that anchor of marriage helped to keep you from getting shipwrecked with those tender early years of like this is hard. Can you can you describe that a little more? Yeah. So Andrew and I got married when we were 22, which is functionally babies, right? right. Prefrontal <laughs> right. cortex is not even fully developed, right? Oh, indeed, indeed, it's so true. He had to do his whole like teenage angst at the beginning of our marriage, it turns oh, out. It's just a little Which don't we all kind of do that a little bit? I mean, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, true. <laughs> and so it, there was a way somehow where having a physical sort of little H husband brought home for me the devastation of adultery. So little H, I, you're saying in comparison to like Jesus as big H? Yeah, in, yeah, okay. in comparison to Jesus yeah. as the big H husband. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I, I had understood uh, early on that there was a way in which God talked about be, relating to his people like a spouse. 
Um, now, obviously, God relates to his spouse in terms of like all of us together are the bride of Christ. But I knew that sin, and perhaps even in my life, particularly sexual sin, was was akin to a type of adultery. It was right. it was um, painful to him, right? It's painful. It's not, it's saying something about my relationship to God. Um, but that alone, at certain times, didn't didn't help me say no to temptation. I think I grew in my ability to obey over time, but there was something about this precious, tender man who had married me. I mean, if you knew Andrew, Mm. he's, he is a delight. Mm. And it was just so real, like this flesh and blood fellow brother for whom Christ had died, who I know and knew then he would take a bullet for me any day. There was just something that I think the Lord gave that to me partially as a gift to say, this is real. Like we, when you're, when you choose sin over relationship, it's not a thing that just stays privately in your own world. It always ripples out mm-hmm. and doesn't, that's it. And frankly, it always ripples out to my community anyway. I had right. seen how my choices actually affected my friends and my fellowship, mm-hmm. but the, yeah, there was a way that getting married uh, made it more real. And I think helped me. It just helped me. Cause when I first graduated from college, I worked at a law firm and a lot of people who worked there were my age and were really fun. And a lot of them, all of them, in fact, didn't know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I'd hang out with them, especially because I was such a young Christian. A lot of my party life tendencies that I'd had before Christ would sort of naturally want to rise to the front because I was in the environment that kind of drew them out. Right. And so I think being married helped check me and say, like, I need to go home to someone. I'm responsible to someone. Oh, and also Jesus cares about this. Like the spirit, Mm -hmm. the spirit cares about this. He actually, um, soon into my time at the law firm, a, a girl who I love, a good friend of mine named Barbara, she actually gave her life to Christ. And so then I had a buddy in the office, which really helped. Um, but when you're but, speaking yeah. this, like, okay, you know, this is keeping me in check. Like, I can put in my feminist world brain or even just like the world's brain and kind of get from their perspective. And all that you are saying sounds like repression and you are hiding who you really are and you are, why oh, are gosh. you tying yourself down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure you've heard all these sentences. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's what Andrew was never... <laughs> It's one thing for me to decide to honor Andrew out of my own strength of will and right. my desire to love him right. than it is being kept in a cage by a man. Right. I mean, those you, are not those are not the same idea at all. And that's I'm sure you've you've heard that and it's you it's kind of like I Jesus laid down his life willingly for us and and we can't help well if we're full of the spirit to like I want to do that back to you. Yeah, and be- exactly. Because- and even if I mean even when we look at Ephesians 5, yes. it does not say husbands cause your wives to submit to you. Right. It says wives submit yourselves. Right. I mean and underneath the passage where there's mutual submission is mentioned. Absolutely. But it's an it's an act of the will mm. on the part of the wife. Yeah, it is. And it does feel like death, which again is where the volume of the world can get cranked up so loud if we already are like fighting it in our heads. You're like, no, I know that's what I desire. Well, no, exactly. But I mean, the whole fabric of biblical religion, Jesus said, oh, you want to live? Yes. Die. That's it. Oh, you want to get? Give. 
Mm. Which so is, this shouldn't, it doesn't feel, it's not at all foreign to our faith. Certainly it's foreign to the world. But this has been part of the DNA of Christianity from the beginning. Yes. Which is why it's so beautiful and how you said this, this keeping you in check, how marriage was different in, in many ways from your friend relationships, because it is a mirror of, or it's a metaphor of Christ in the church. Marriage is this covenantal union, and we're supposed to, in our dying, look like Christ in the church and His love for us. And so I love what you're saying, and I want to be like, yes, you're right. It is so opposite what the world says. It is a image of this upside down kingdom and I love it but you still wrestle and you still have to be in relationship to other women oh yeah how does that work (laughs) yeah I know and I I just want to be clear because you've already hinted at this but sometimes I do get to the end of like sharing my testimony Mm -hmm. with a group of people and they're like wow so how long have you been straight I'm like wow okay so I need to tell this better no 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 Apparently, I don't think yeah, our I mean, listeners still, will hear that. Yeah. yeah, still, still to this day, if I'm attracted to someone who's not my spouse, that person will be female. Right. Certainly. Um, and so I am a campus minister, right? Like I'm called to draw near to young women and care for them spiritually, mm. um, sometimes very intimately. Mm. So and I think we're all made for friendship with both genders. So to decide well, since I'm sexually attracted to women, I just won't ever talk to them or connect with them. I think that would wither my soul away. I think I need the company of women, just like every human needs the company of women. Mm. So, I mean, part of it has definitely been different over stages of time. So, for example, earlier in my Christian walk, it might have looked one way. But post-marriage, I think a lot of it really functions similarly to how my straight married friends deal with when they're attracted to someone. Um, you try to notice, you try to notice something early because an affair or sexual sin is rarely just one catastrophic decision that happens all at once. Right. It's usually following a trail of breadcrumbs that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of little yeses on the way to a big yes. Mm. And so I think what the Lord helped me do over time was recognize earlier and earlier my own like sense of attraction so that I could bring it to the Lord. Mm. And so I would, you know, I try early to bring that to God in prayer and to let one of my close friends know. If it's a really early stage, I almost never tell Andrew, mostly because I don't want him to be worried about it, I guess. I mean, I would. I don't hide it from him necessarily, but I tend to process it with my close friends and be like, hey, I noticed this. And probably at this stage of my life, like 95% of the time that I do that, even just voicing it sort of snuffs out its power. Pops the bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's sort of, because sin, especially in my life, but I think in more than just mine, it it feeds on secrecy. Absolutely. And so if I just sort of like tenderly tuck it away in my own mind and protect it, then it grows in power. But I found over and over again that if I, if I simply bring it to the light, a lot of, yeah, it just kind of, it's disarmed for so many ways. Do you find... 
and we've talked about this on the podcast several times, but do you find that when you are in like lacking something emotionally or in your heart, like if you're like, I haven't had good hangout time with my girlfriends, like my friend Mm. friends, or I'm feeling like I don't belong or I feel unnoticed or unseen. Do you find that that cranks up the volume on your temptationometer? I think that I'm perhaps unlike most women in that I would say no. Mm. So I'm not primarily, I'm not, I am, I am very emotional. I'm engaged with my emotions and those sort of things, but I'm not like an emotion first. I'm more of a think first emotion later. Right. And so I found that situations for me that have a higher increase in rate of temptation, um, recently it's been, you know, definitely connected to if I'm going to publish an article about this topic, or if I'm going to get ready to speak on this topic mm. oh, publicly. Oh, difficult. Yeah. <laughs> the enemy happens. works. You know, I, yeah. probably the largest group I'd ever spoken to at that point um, was a group of new staff for crew. I was going to share my testimony and do some training. I was really nervous about it. And I got a text from my ex-girlfriend, the one I mentioned earlier. Mm. I mean, I hadn't heard from her in like five years. And it was this very, it was like, it felt just more than coincidental. And it definitely tugged at my heart in a certain yeah, way. Yeah. So I was like, oh, what are you up to, enemy? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Um, what did you do in that moment? Like, what did so you I was, do? I was sitting at a, at a table with my colleagues at lunch. And yeah. they were all like older dudes. These were like the theological <laughs> team for crew, which is mostly old white guys and me <laughs> and then Regina Chan, who's also uh, female and young. And so I just told them, I was like, can you believe this? I just got a text from my ex-girlfriend. They were like, oh my goodness, how do you feel? Yeah. And I just like did a quick process with them. I think I probably also texted my best friend, but I text my best friend like a million times a day. So that's just (laughs) a safe bet for like any (laughs) time. And so then did that help to take it from like, this is really intense. This is really hard. And, And perhaps you're like waking up. You're like, I think the enemy is just jumping right in right here. Did that help to pop the bubble enough or was it kind of like, yeah, I, I think get so. There this. was just like, there was a way that having my community speak like know and see was like, yeah, okay, but this doesn't have to own me. Yeah. I think a big part of my journey and I reflected on this in my second Christianity Today piece was, um, being able to make a distinction between temptation and sin. Yes. Because a difficult part of my process was that very early in my Christian life, I would get into this cycle where temptation, resistance, temptations, resistance, temptation, resistance, oh, mm-hmm. temptation, fall. Right. So I would like resist for a while mm-hmm. and then I would screw up and I would repent and I would confess, but then I would get in these little mini cycles, right? Absolutely. And so over time, over time, I, I did develop better habits. I think my muscle of obedience did grow, but there would be a type of dread mm. when I entered into temptation. In particular, there was a certain season of very intense temptation that caught me off guard and that I I think I had just internalized that so often when I had been tempted, I had failed that I was jumping right to failure in my heart. So I was praying to the Lord and being like, Am I, do I need to confess something? Do I need, what do I need to do? Hmm. It was this really intense moment, actually in a different Yale library. I don't know. I guess that's where a lot of moments happen for me. <laughs> I don't live at Yale anymore, so maybe I won't have any more moments. But <laughs> We're done. 
that's when the Lord brought to mind a verse I had memorized um, a long time before, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which is pretty, pretty common. Um, if I can remember off the top of my head, you know, no temptations overtaken, overtaking you. That's not common to man. God's faithful. He won't tempt you beyond your ability, but with it, he'll provide a way of escape. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a very normal verse to talk about, mm. but the Spirit suddenly pressed in on me to say, when you are tempted, there's always a way out. You never have to say yes to sin. Mm. Even if your pattern has been that you've said a lot of yeses, there is newness in Christ. Every moment is new. Every moment is owned by me. Sin does not own you because I bought you. Mm. And there was something so freeing of like, oh, what I'm dealing with is temptation. And I can say no to temptation. I mean, that makes it sound like, oh, it's just so easy breezy. I don't mean can as in Mm. it's um, easy, but can as in it is possible. Because I think I was in a type of fear that somehow obedience was impossible. That's right. Just because I had previously uh, failed so much. Mm. So the freedom I got in that has I think transformed my walk in a lot of ways. So that just when I notice temptation, I'm like, oh, there you are again, old friend. Well, <laughs> we're not playing today. That's right. I don't, I don't uh, have to pick up the phone. I love that because it's the question is not, am I going to make it through this? Or at what point am I going to fall? But how am I going to make it through this? And yeah. that just shifts your whole perspective. Mm-hmm. And well, I also think it removes any potential for feeling shame about the attractions right. themselves. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm like, well, you could be attracted to like a man or a woman or a polar bear. Like it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> the point is we're just faithful. Mm-hmm. And so if I am married, I am called to direct my sexuality towards the Lord and, and towards the husband he has given me. And if Andrew were to get hit by a bus, then I would find myself unmarried and I would train my sexuality towards the Lord and toward no one else. That's right. I mean, not that I'm like lusting after the Lord, right? But that I discipline Absolutely. myself. I recognize that he has given me a body, that he's created me in good ways. And that um, even if I were to never marry again, that we have, I mean, our marriages right now are just, they're little advertisements for the future marriage that's going to come. I think singleness has this possibility to display i believe in the resurrection amen amen and amen and thank you rachel this is a good place to to land the plane and i we could continue this conversation and perhaps we will but for those of you who have been longtime listeners long time this year's listeners of our (laughs) podcast uh you're gonna hear some of the long year it's been i mean for real though it's actually been great i love doing this podcast but you're gonna hear some of the themes that rachel's saying and what we've been saying which is really just the gospel over and over and it's nothing is new but as our mentor and pastor says he's like there's nothing new but don't be boring (laughs) he's like (laughs) keep talking about the gospel like but but don't be boring about it because it's not so rachel you just so beautifully exemplified that just over and 
over and how you've pursued Christ and he's pursued you and And he has pursued me. You've been obedient and are obedient. And just, I love that what you share is not just this past tense story, although the past is gorgeous and in the right now is just this faithful obedience that we see in Christ and that we can do because we are empowered by him. So just thank you so much, just sister to sister for following Jesus and for showing us what, uh, just put, wearing the gospel so well. Well, thank you for having me on. It's nice to be um, able to share these things with people who care about them as deeply as I do, for people who are trying to help everyone around them see that God is for them Yes, and pursuing them. I think that's the good work we should be doing together, right? Yes. Amen. This is, this is worth our lives. Absolutely worth our lives. Praise God. So thank you all for listening. Our, our question of the week for next week, we're actually going to be having uh, that friend Kat, that Matt was mentioning. Um, Kat is going to be on sharing some of her story of her walk with gender, as well as a psychologist who is knows a lot about the whole gender dysphoria conversation. So that will be next week. So our question of the week is, what which gender stereotypes have been the most difficult for you to overcome or like that you've kind of slammed your head against? Um, And then as well, Steve mentioned this last week, just about the break that we're taking for the month of July. Uh, And then in the fall, we're going to start season two, which is crazy. (laughs) Fall is in August. And I'm I'm already lining up people, which I'm so, I love meeting people who are like-hearted and like-minded. We're going to have Gabe Lyons on, Bridget Eileen, uh, you know, Daniel Mattson, my my dad, Randall J. Heckman is going to be on here sharing (laughs) some of our relationship as well as some of the work he's doing to just really promote some of this this incredible like prayer stuff that's happening not just prayer stuff but just this revival kind of movement that's happening and specifically here in Grand Rapids but if you guys have any suggestions now or over the month of July like hey I'd love for y'all to cover this topic or hey here's someone you could meet who who this would be a great story we'd love to just dig into that Um, so please send us some of those suggestions at podcast at himhministries.com as well as we will link you Rachel's blog as well as her Christianity Today article and that Desiring God one. They're worth your time to read. Um, So again, for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, Rachel, thank you again. And for all, all of the rest of you, we will see you next week. Again, we want to thank today's guest, Rachel Gilson. You'll find links to her articles in our show notes. And do yourself a favor and uh, read her writing. I think you'll really be encouraged. Hey, I just want to remind you that this summer we're taking a few weeks off from our weekly feed of the podcast. Gives you a great opportunity to get caught up on those past episodes. You can find the archives when you subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll be all caught up when we return weekly in August. Also, a few ways you can help us reach more listeners. If you leave positive ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts, also just tell somebody about the Hole in My Heart podcast and where they can find it. As always, we love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at himhministries.com. We will see you next week. we supposed to do keep everyone here until the goblin comes back or maybe evacuate before the goblin's bomb goes off clear the room what are you doing you have to get out bad guys included 